Greetings, Cap fans, and welcome to episode 123 of the Captain America Comic Book Fans Podcast. This is Rick Verbonis. I'm your host, and I am joined by Bob Lucius, who is the best gosh darn co-host out there. Oh, Bob. Love. Exciting and new. Come aboard. We're expecting you and love. Life's sweetest, sweetest reward. Let it flow. It floats back to you. you the love boat. All right, Bob. <laughs> welcome to episode 123. Uh, oh man i loved that show as a kid i know that was that ran uh 1977 to 1986 yeah that's Gavin a good run cloud yeah julie gopher uh, isaac you know hold on all right gotta do the isaac yeah <laughs> and, and, and 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 they didn't even show his name it was just it was just your bartender ted right Lang. <laughs> your bartender uh, oh goodness great yeah. show great yeah. show wasn't it that was a fun show yeah yeah it was. uh and so why am i why am i singing about the love boat bob because today's episode is all about the valentine's day now if you're listening when this podcast drops valentine's day was yesterday or last night you know some of you might still be celebrating it Valentine's might still be going day. on you yeah. know what I mean? yeah. but uh so we figured it's time to get back to the top 10 list we haven't done a top 10 list in, in quite some time bob we haven't yeah it's been it's been a while yeah technically we did do a top 10 list when when we did uh the top 10 other cap retcons we did part one in episode 84 part two and episode 89 so that was a that was that was technically i mean it really wasn't i mean because we did talk about it but we didn't we didn't do like a a countdown right 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 it wasn't a countdown top 10 right right yeah i feel like i need to work on my my casey Kasem. you know i i i I, i've been able to do casey Kasem in some points in my life but not now Mm -hmm. and i haven't practiced it in a while i really should have done it for this one yeah, that would have been nice. I'm disappointed. Yeah, uh, well, welcome to my wife. <laughs> um, no, but the, the really the only true other top 10 list we did was all the way back in episode nine, Bob. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was I mean, I'm not a math major, but that was 114 episodes ago. Yeah. Yeah. That, why did we wait so long? Or a long, long time. In uh, cat years. Yeah. Yeah. Boy, yeah. yeah. Uh, but you know, back then, episode nine, we did the top ten villains not named the Red Skull, mm-hmm. and it was a, a lot of fun. We had a lot of uh, people call in, leave messages, uh, send us their votes uh, online, um, and we figured, you know, we'd do the same time this time. But this time, Bob, tying it in with Valentine's Day, this one is top ten romantic love interests right. of Captain America. Yes, yeah, yeah. I, and I think. You know, I don't, I don't know about you, but when I thought through this, I mean, there were some boundaries that I set for myself, 
which is a rare thing. Uh, um, but my boundaries were it it had to be in the the, the prime universe, what the six one six universe, right? So like okay. I didn't go outside, like I didn't go into ultimates, ultimate comics. Ah, Captain, a little right? Jana Van Dyne action, right? Right, you know, or or you know Natasha Stark or any of these other you know off the wall multiverse variants of Captain America. We're just stuck. But it, which made it a bit of a challenge for, I think, a lot of folks when they were thinking through them in, in the group, right? Because, you know, we wanted to come up with 10. So, I mean, you can always come up with a handful of them, but, you know, you really got to think through the problem to, to come up with 10. That's true. Yeah, we, we did struggle a little bit. We even opened it up to say, when we say Captain America, it's not just Steve Rogers. It could be Sam Wilson. It could be Bucky Barnes. It could mm -hmm. be Jeff Mace. It right. could be yeah. Bur your Burnside. Right, right. Yeah, I mean, you know, I'm sure you know, right. little something, something on the side. Oh well, Roscoe. <laughs> I don't know, bag. He was Captain America for like you know a breakfast. Right. Yeah. 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 Really I got to get back to Ultimate's Captain America. Yeah. Is it wrong to think that dating Janet Van Dyne, also known as the Wasp, uh, would be good for a man's ego? Hmm. Because you know you're so much larger. <laughs> I didn't see that coming. <laughs> oh, that's what she said. All right. So, um, okay. So let's get into this. I, we, you know, we're, I, I, we had a lot of fun of it on the Facebook group. We, we, we sent the, uh, the poll out there and we got, we got a lot of responses, Bob. We got over like, like 150 votes, something like that uh, in, in the poll. And uh, I had put out there maybe like 10 or so. And then some people added some, you added some. And then there was a lot of comments uh, in, in, yeah. in the sections underneath to kind of show like, hey, here's why uh, I picked who mm -hmm. I did. So it was fun. I thought maybe we could kind of go through some of those comments as we're going through the yeah. top 10 list. Yeah. Lots of romantic guys and gals in our group. That's true. Yeah. Indeed. Who knew? Uh, you know, and and so with the, you know, I, here's what I'd want to do. We have our top 10 list and we're going to start at 10. We're going to work our way to one. Now, listen, the top three probably isn't going to be a big surprise, but maybe in yeah. how we order them and why mm -hmm. might be a big surprise. But anyway, how about I just rattle off the top 10 according to the Facebook group? I like that. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Okay. I'm going to start at the bottom with uh, <laughs> zero votes. Uh, I somebody put in Holly Ridley. Okay. Okay. And 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 they put it in, but they didn't vote for it. Interesting, isn't interesting. it? Yeah, that was an interesting. Yeah. Take. yeah. So, so some people might be saying, "Who's Holly Ridley?" Well, uh, Holly was the single mom during the Mark Grunewald era that uh, her son was like a member of Cap's uh, hotline group. Yeah, right. Right? And then yeah. he went over one time to hang out, mm -hmm. and she was like, oh, you need to stay for dinner. And yeah. she was kind of like- I didn't see you at the PTO meeting. Yeah. <laughs> right, yeah. It's, it's, it's PTA, Bob. Is it? In some places, it's PTO, man. Is it? Are you thinking yeah. of military? No, no, I'm not thinking of paid time off. I'm thinking of the parent-teacher organization. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. All right. My bad. Okay. Get out more, man. <laughs> Holly Ridley. So uh, 0%, zero votes. Ah, strange. 
Next, Wanda Maximoff. Ooh, interesting. Yeah, 1% with one vote. Mm-hmm. Connie Fiera. Is it Fiero? Ferrari? Yeah, it's like not Ferrari. No. It is. It is. He she went through this says, last time. He even says so in the comic book. I don't have a memory worth crap. Yeah. She says, we went through like that. the sports car. Okay. Well, then whoever did that should have spelled it correctly in the, <laughs> in the, because they spelled it F E R R A. Yeah. Ferro. That was, I mean, iron or something. Is that, I don't know. That I don't did know. I, was I the one who did that? <laughs> Uh, one percent, one vote. Uh, Cynthia Glass. Oh, interesting. Yeah, who's that? Who's that, Bob? That would be in the Adventures of Captain America, which is and... not in the six one six. No, but she uh, she appeared in um, Steve Rogers Super Soldier. That four was it four yeah. issues, four yeah, issue yeah. miniseries. Okay, Drew Baker um, as an LMD. Um, so. Okay. Yeah, and Cap recalled. He, there actually there were several pages of him recalling his time with her during the war. Okay. All right. Well, maybe we'll maybe we'll get to that. Uh, Bob, this next one. This next one had two votes. Two votes. Two votes. <laughs> Hilda Zemo. The competitor. Why? Hilda Why, Zemo. Bob? <laughs> Listen, I know. I know you want to talk about that. We'll we'll get to it. Okay. All right. Yeah. Um. Next one, two votes. Uh, Layla Taylor. Layla. Now, Layla, um, was Sam Wilson's girlfriend during the Captain America and Falcon, you know, run she during never the seventies. Very supportive. No, gosh, she. You know. She, she was. Uh, <laughs> she was the P word, Bob. Yeah, she was like always tearing down old Sam. She really was mm-hmm. talking about the man. Next, next one that got three votes, which is only three percent. Misty Knight. All right, I like Misty. Yeah, Misty Knight. So yeah, that's kind of one. like a current squeeze of Sam Wilson. Um, next one with three votes, Donna Marie Puentes. Okay, now, Don, Donna yeah. Marie was a during the Jack Kirby uh, run during the the late seventies. Yes. Yes. Okay. And then next one with four votes, we got Betsy Ross, aka Golden Girl. Followed, get this, coming in one, two, three, coming in fifth place. Natasha Romanoff. Okay. Black Widow got six votes. I I gotta think it's mostly because of the way she was drawn in Volume Five. Mm, could be. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, uh, so she was, uh, yeah, Bucky Barnes, uh, as when he was taking over Steve's place as the new cap, um, the two of them were romantically inclined. Uh, fourth place in the Facebook group with eight votes, Peggy Carter. That's interesting. I, I got to wonder how much of this is a sort of a bleed over effect from the cinematic universe. I kind of think it was, mm-hmm. yeah. Uh, then, then we kind of jump. Like we're all here, we, we got onesies, twosies, threesies, and then Peggy Carter with eight. Uh, now we're going to start getting the double digits. Number three, according to our Facebook members, with twenty-four votes, which is seventeen percent of those voting, is Bernie, Bernadette right. Rosenthal. Coming in number two, Bob, according to our Facebook listeners, Sharon Carter. She got 40 votes, which was 27%. And of course, the only one left 
that you know remaining is Rachel. Rachel Layton, a.k.a. Diamondback, that she got 33% of the votes, 47 votes. Wow. I got to tell you, that's surprising to me. Is it, Bob? Because we'll talk about that when we get to our uh-huh. top 10 list. Right. 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 So yeah. uh, just going through the top 10 here, we've got Hilda Zemo, Layla Taylor, Misty Knight, Donna Marie Puentes, Golden Girl, Black Widow, Peggy Carter, Bernie Rosenthal, Sharon Carter, Diamondback. All right. Well, that was the the Facebook top 10. Our top 10 is going to be different. I'm going to tell you everybody right now. Our top 10 is going to be different. Uh, and some of these we'll just save for after the top 10 uh, for some honorable mentions. Yeah, that makes sense. Okay. I love honorable mentions. That's what I used to mostly get. <laughs> well, With your... With your participation trophy? My participation trophies, yeah. All right, Bob. Do you want to kick us off with number 10? I, I sure would, because you know I've been waiting for this one, right? Uh-huh. So, yeah, uh, you know, and this is based on my extensive research. Uh, I am a doctor of love. And so, <laughs> uh, you know, I have some expertise in this area. And so for my number 10, I am going to go with when you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Hilda Zemo. Yeah, I know. It's a surprise uh, choice. Right? What? Right. You know, Hilda Zemo. It's it's a bit off the wall. I, I acknowledge that, right? But it's stuck with me ever since reading The Medusa Effect, that Captain America one-shot that came out in 1994. And so, who was that written by? Uh, Roy Thomas, of That's course. Right. Yeah, the great legendary Roy Thomas, in case he's listening. <laughs> So, you know, as you know, Hilda Zemo is the wife of the Baron Heinrich Zemo and the mother of their only child, Baron Helmut Zemo. Now, according to Helmut's telling in Captain America 168, his mother died of a broken heart in the last days of World War II following their abandonment of Heinrich. However, in the Medusa effect, it's revealed that Helmut was raised to believe his mother was dead even though she had faked her death to escape Heinrich, though she does in fact die shortly thereafter from an accident rigged by Heinrich himself. In any case, in the Medusa effect, Rick, we see Captain Bucky travel to Spain to track down these stolen plans for this powerful weapon system invented by Nikola Tesla, who happened to die, and um, they went to investigate his death, and they find this uh, letter written by a woman to Tesla, warning him that the Nazis were going to try to get his uh, his device, you know, and then they were closing in on him. And her name was supposedly Janice Dare. 
So they track down this woman in Spain, right? And, and they go to this, this bullfight and mm-hmm. Cap saves her as she tumbles over the railing into the, into the ring and the bull's about to get her and he managed to save her. And afterwards he realizes this is in fact the Baroness Hilda Zemo who you know everyone thought had died in this auto accident. So mm-hmm. anyway, she agrees to help Cap and Bucky retrieve Tesla's stolen plans because she realizes how, how dangerous this is and how it would help the Nazis. But she'll only do it if they agree to help her rescue her son from the grasp of his father. Anyway, I don't want to give the exciting details of the story away because I really do love this one shot. But there is a moment in their shared jail cell when Hilda and Cap exchange this really passionate kiss And one can only wonder where that might have led if the story had ended differently than it did. Uh Ah, all right. So we might be looking at Baron Zemo with his daddy issues being completely something different. Exactly, right? Can you imagine that? Yeah. Yeah. You stole my mom and my (laughs) face. That's right. (laughs) Uh, Wow, all right. It's, uh, It's an interesting choice. For number ten, um, I'll leave it at that. I hope I hope that uh, it inspires people to check out the Medusa effect. And if you want to check out Captain America one sixty eight, that it was the 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 one where she was introduced and and the story uh, about her um, was told. That was that uh, Power Records one. Right, where they had uh, the phoenix on the cover and shooting at Cap, who's over lava, uh, or you know the molten adhesive X. Right, we did that uh, podcast uh, episode twenty nine, and it was a lot of fun because we actually took a little couple excerpts from the record and spliced it in as we were going through it. Um, so check that out, episode twenty nine, if you want to want to listen to the uh, introduction of Baron Zemo two. So, Rick, uh, what do you got for number nine? Number nine. By the way, am I the only one who, when you hear the words number nine, thinks of the Beatles? <laughs> yeah. I, I don't know. Do I don't. What's number nine? Is that a song? You're not a Beatles fan? I'm not. No. Oh. <laughs> the more I learn about you. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a Beach Boys fan. So, oh. uh, yeah, it's, a, it's another B-band. Uh, oh boy. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, it was off the white album. There was a, it's a thing. All right. So number nine for me, we've got in here, Donna Marie Puentes. Oh my. Yes. Or you want to say, oh, ojalá, <laughs> which is Spanish, by the way. Oh, oh nice. Good. Yes. Well done. Man. You have many uh, talents. So the Donna Marie, she was the the South American revolutionary who uh, back in, I think it was Captain America 206. She was with Captain America. And this was this was when Jack Kirby came back. Right. And and did his his uh, 1976 uh, for a couple of years um, where he was writing and drawing and editing. Um, so this was this, this tale. And, and in there was the introduction of Arnim Zola, the biogenesis, what do you call him? He's a biofanatic. That's what biofanatic. Yeah. 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 So um, anyway, so she was this revolutionary and she was with Cap and then he got captured. Um, and then 
after dealing with uh, with Zola's creation Primus, and then fighting the the Nazi androids, uh, she escaped Zola's clutches along with Cap. And then Steve and Donna were most certainly attracted to each other, but nothing really came of it at the time because Cap was still very much smitten with Sharon at this point. Uh, Cap was, however, particularly impressed, shall we say, with Donna Marie's fierceness and combat. Uh, and she later joined the Avengers ground support team, which was, uh, we saw this in Captain America 404, which was uh, right when, right after J.M. J. DeMatteis left and, and right around when Mark Grunewald was kicking it off, but um, which was a rare treat um, to, to see, we get to see Donna, Diamondback and Bernie Rosenthal all in the same story. Yeah, that was a good that was a good story, Rick. And 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 I'd like to think um, things might have been different if someone other than Kirby had drawn her face in that original story. Now, be <laughs> nice, be nice. Well, you know that was she had a very square face, you know, in that original story. She's arc. a man, baby. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, from the neck up, it was you know it was a hard sell in that uh -huh. particular story. But uh -huh. uh, yeah. Oh. What about the neck down, Bob? <laughs> well, you know. Why you turn red? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because uh, she wasn't, didn't she wear like, she wore like a bikini top and like cut yeah, off shorts? Yeah, it was like a cut off shirt or something like that. Yeah, you know, like, tied, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It was a very interesting look for a revolutionary. I, I think uh, there was a lot of teenage boys or preteen boys yeah, I think that so, were smitten sure. with her, which was why I, I included her on this list. In fact, I do recall in, in the Cap America comic book fans Facebook group, I do recall somebody showing a tattoo of Donna Marie. Yes, you're that right. they had on yeah. on their person. Right. And I don't know if it was leg or arm, but um anyway. So obviously not yes. everybody agreed with the whole face comment, Bob. Yeah. Well, they were very much smitten with her. Well, that's true. But, you know, we talked, was it, I, was it last episode or the one before? And we talked about how different different folks drew Bernie differently, right? And I mm -hmm. had a particular preference, you know? And, and but I, it's the same with Donna Marie. Later, she showed up in the Avengers and Quasar and, and later issues of Captain America around in the 400s. And of course, she was drawn very, very differently by different artists. And so you can certainly, so there's something for everyone. Yes, yeah. And if anybody wants to check out that podcast where we cover Captain America 208 to 210, which is the introduction of Arnim Zola, uh, we did that in podcast episode 37. So check that out. All right, Bob, we're we're going to number eight. What Ooh, do you got? Number eight. All right. So I am gonna go, uh, and this one surprised me a bit, honestly, right? Because you know, you know how I like to do my research for these these mm -hmm. podcast episodes, right? Mm -hmm. oh, so of course. I, yeah, I did a deep dive, you know, into all things romance uh in uh, Captain America mythos. And I had, you know, kind of forgotten about this one. I had to go back and, mm -hmm. uh, and refresh my memory. But for number eight, I had to go with Wanda Maximoff, the Scarlet Witch. Another shocker, Bob. Yeah. So, um, you know, I know you remember that that, that fourteen issue Captain America and Falcon miniseries from from you know, around two thousand four, two thousand five, mm -hmm. right? And so I, you got to go back to that one. And in that one, uh, and it was like issue six, I, I think, at the end of issue six, we see Steve and Wanda. I mean, locking lips, you know, oh, yeah. in a ser serious way, right? They were on the cover too, weren't they? Weren't they they were on the cover? issue seven. Yeah, they were okay. on the cover of that one. And so, 
so it's it, it, it's like a huge shock. I mean, they were really going to town. Um, so it looked like you know the face hugger from from Alien. So <laughs> so anyway, it appears though that Steve is having these intense hallucinations, and and he's exhausted. You know, they're they're going up against this other guy dressed as Captain America, and, and you know it's a really tense time. Lots going on. Modoc's involved in some of those stories. So it's it's maybe he's weak in in, in a moment of weakness and vulnerability. But mm-hmm. we see maybe perhaps Cap's inner desires leaking through this this uh this legendary wall of self-discipline right maybe that's what's going on so you know at the beginning of of issue seven the one where they're kissing on the cover we see that wanda has spent the night on steve's couch and as he comes out of his bedroom in the morning his his eyes do tend to linger a little longer than um perhaps they should on her sleeping form Mm. until she wakes and she proceeds to diffuse his mental objections to a budding romance and she tells him that love isn't always convenient or logical in fact she uses this this kind of like a parable to explain this this um this conundrum to him and that at the end of the day one must find love where one can and again they began kissing again this the second time this is what so, we see on the cover is this uh like that old song if you can't be with the one you love love the one you're with <laughs> you know i remember my my my, I think it was my 12th grade English teacher used to like sing that to herself in class. It was very awkward, but <laughs> <laughs> was it, was it's not Crosby, Still, Nash and Young. It was, um, maybe it was, was it CSNY? I don't, I, don't, I think it might be. Uh, yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll get somebody to correct yeah. us on the Facebook somebody page. Mrs. Canavan, if you want to reach out to her. <laughs> I have a funny story about that. Oh yeah. So, so back in the early nineties, I was waiting tables at this, uh, restaurant in Tuscaloosa, Alabama. I was going to the university of Alabama and exchange program and, and, uh, you know, waiting tables to, you know, pay rent. And they, the, the owners were, you know, were in deep South. So they were very, very religious. And they had, um, in the mornings, they would get up early to make uh, croissants and oh my God, the most delicious croissants you ever had. I mean, you should have seen the amount of butter they put into these things. But anyway, they'd play the radio, you know, and you'd be jamming around while making something. And and that song came on, you know, if you can't be with the one you love, love the one you're with, right? And, you know, I always thought it was a positive song. Now, of course, I'm like 21 years old, right? So I'm still young. And, but I was like, ah, you know, that's a positive message, right? It's about contentment. Yeah. Yeah. And, 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 the 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 guy there, one of the owners, he's like, he's like, no, that that song is it's about adultery, it's wrong, sinful, and I was like, what? I I never took it that way. He goes, yeah, he's he's saying if you can't be with the one you love, love the one you're with. It's about adultery, and I was like, I never thought of that, and wow. now. Every time I hear that song, I think of that conversation with this man. Wow, that that's a weird take on the song, I think. I, I don't think it's about that, but like maybe it is. I don't know. I'd have to ask. Well, I'm not going to ask Dave Crosby. He, he he passed away a few weeks ago. Yeah, um, that's a shame. But, so I, I don't know. Graham Na- is Graham Nash still around? I don't know. So anyway, Wanda. Yeah. Anyway, is, anyway. Is so saying, yes, <laughs> she she's she's giving so, him a parable yes. and, and give him the kiss off. Right. So she's convinced him that in fact, you know, you have to find love where you can, and they begin to kiss. But later in the issue, Steve approaches Wanda to tell her that he's ready to take a chance on love with her, 
and give their, you know, their budding relationship, you know, let's, let's try it. Right. And she replies that she has no idea what he's talking about. In fact, she tells him that his suggestions sound a bit inappropriate. So naturally he's shocked. Right. Mm -hmm. So, but later in the Avengers disassembled storyline, which, you know, came out in 2004 with the Avengers 500 with lots of tie-ins, we learn in fact that there had been no relationship, that Cap's hallucinations and his dreams about Wanda was the result of Wanda's mental breakdown and the leaking out, the spilling out of her magical powers. Although it's never really clear if Steve Rogers perhaps had some latent feelings for Wanda or vice versa, then maybe neither of them had never considered acting on until their emotional states became compromised as a result of what was going on with, with Wanda. Still, you know, those were pretty romantic panels. And, right, and so I, I don't know. I, I got to ask, I'm just, sorry, yeah. to, I just want to ask yeah. you this. So if this was something that Wanda was like, nope, never happened, and it was due to her magical powers leaking out during this whole uh, Avengers Disassembled storyline that led into... Um, what was that uh, House of M, right? And right, into, that's yeah, right. Yeah. 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 Um then was it really like but maybe it was something deep in Steve that like he had always kind of thought this way, and then her magical powers touched him and he now yeah, manif well, manifested something that he might have been it might have been both. It might have been one or the other. Maybe she had always had a little bit of a crush on him and, and somehow it manifested in her warping of, of reality for him. So I don't know, but you know, they came out uh, in 2006 with a with a what if book, uh, the, a what if Avengers disassembled story, where in fact they did have a relationship and they got married, right? And it was blessed, you know, and the relationship was blessed by Magneto and 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 Stephen Wanda went up against the Avengers, and it, you know, it was interesting in that story because you know that whole <clears throat> mental breakdown was because her her two children, right? Were, yeah, were gone, right? But in the what if book. Um, you know, the children were back and uh, what she interpreted this was with all along, it had been a premonition that these were the two children that she would have with Steve. So mm. it was a really, you know, weird story and it didn't end well for either, uh, you know, Cap or Wanda, but a very interesting take on what might have happened had that relationship proceeded. Well, I have not read that, but I now I want to check that out. All right. What do you got for uh, number seven, Rick? Number seven, I'm going to go with uh, Connie, like the car Ferrari. I was going to do like a vroom vroom. <laughs> uh, I don't know. Anyway, she, um, now she was from Captain America Volume 3. She was the, the love interest for Cap for actually a few years. Yeah. And she, uh, Mark Wade introduced her because, you know, he felt like it was time. Uh, you know, at that point, he had, you know, he had brought back Sharon Carter at the end of volume one. And then we'll get into that. But uh, at then he when they relaunched volume three, uh, they're, you know, a little bit together. But then they launched the uh, at the same time, maybe like around issue five, they launched something, uh, Captain America Central Liberty. And that was with, you know, Mark Wade and Ron Garney co-plotting. Ron was doing the art. And at that point, they were just, they kind of co-workers in, in S.H.I.E.L.D. when that happened. So I guess Mark decided, you know what? I need a love interest. And uh, actually, now I think about it, I think Mark did talk about that when we had him on the show. Uh, so if anybody wants to 
to go back and listen to that Mark Wade interview, which was amazing. Uh, that was in episode 78. So I, I think he does talk. We do talk to him a little bit about Connie Ferrari. Um, and then, so, so that's who, who she is, where she came from. So she and Steve dated for some time, right? They, like they were together for maybe like 20 issues or something like that. And she was a, a criminal defense lawyer. And she occasionally served as uh, the defense counsel for some pretty unsavory characters. Uh, so, you know, that didn't always go over well with Steve. But um, she had a, a very deep distrust uh, of the, the U.S. government and the military. So when she learns in issue 43 that Captain America had captured her, well, she thought dead brother in the middle of an international conspiracy to to conquer the world and the fact that Captain America was her boyfriend because uh, she she was dating Steve Rogers. She had no idea he was Captain America. You know, the relationship basically ends right in, in, a, in a big hurry. And she ends up leaving him a, a dear Steve letter. And and we actually covered that um, in episode ninety nine. Uh, we we did volume three, number 44, uh, where Cap fights Taskmaster. And it's a really good issue where, um, you know, she, as as a lawyer, is stating her case of why oh, yeah. she can't be together with Steve. Dan Jurgens wrote and, and I drew it. Um, and it was a great uh, story, I, I thought. It was yeah. done very well. With I, remember, I remember you really loved the way they, uh, you know, he, he, as he was reading that letter, they kind of pulled back. You know, further and further. Oh yeah, at the end. That? Yeah, yeah, yeah from the window. Yeah. yeah, yeah, and we had a good time uh, talking with Dan uh, about about that. Uh, the next episode, episode one hundred, if anybody wants to check that out. Um, so we learn in issue forty nine, she ends up moving to Ohio. She opens up a, a law office. Um, you know, after she passes the bar, and it's that final conversation with Connie that eventually brings him back. To Sharon. And and so that was kind of like a trigger there. Um, now, Connie later goes on to establish Ferrari and Hindel Associates in New York. Um, and she does take up a case on behalf of the Avengers that um, ends up leading to uh, establishing the Great Lakes Avengers uh, in, uh, in the first issue of that title. Uh, so Great Lakes Avengers was kind of like a tongue-in-cheek book you know, we had right. we had yeah. the Avengers, we had the West Coast Avengers, and then they made something yeah. for the middle right. section of yeah. right the like, Great Lakes had, Avengers, had like Flatman and Big yeah. Bertha, Mister yeah. Immortal, Mister Immortal, right? Yeah. yeah, he was in She-Hulk, by the way. Oh, you're right. Yeah, I forgot all about that. Yeah, yeah. Huh. So anyway, that there you go. That's number yeah. seven. Well, that's a great Connie one, Ferrari. Yeah, you know, and hey, not all loves work out, right? But you know. As you said, though, and that issue, you know, that's what brings him back to realize that, like, he can, like, have a relationship with Sharon, right? Because Connie tells him that, like, you can't split your life. You can't, you know, you can't bifurcate being Steve Rogers and Captain America. You have to decide who you want to be, right? You have to integrate it, right? And he realizes that. And, and he realizes that, yeah, Captain America and Steve Rogers is the same person, and he wants to be with Sharon. I'm sorry, Bob. I was Googling bifurcate. What the hell <laughs> is that? You can't just like separate it. What right? is bifurcate? I guess what I meant is you can't dichotomize. Is that a real word? You know? <laughs> or did you just make that up? 
That is a real word. Yes, right. I am so, totally looking it up right now. Connie, you know, had a had a profound effect, right? The breakup with Connie and had a profound effect on on Steve's relationships. So, mm-hmm. bifurcate. It is divide into two branches or forks. Interesting. Hey, look at that, everybody. We all learned a new word today. Wow, fork. That reminds me, I really would like some pie. Mm, I'm like a pie fanatic. You know, Zola's the bio fanatic. I'm like a pie fanatic. Are you really? Because that's like one of my least favorite desserts. Oh, I love pie. Oh my God, Bob, we have so little in common. (laughs) Ebony and ivory side by side on my piano. Why can't we? See, I mean, we can make this work. Right? Okay. You know, I'm a huge Paul McCartney fan. Uh, and you just bastardized that. But <laughs> um, I, I, Do you remember uh, back when on Saturday Night Live, right around 1981, 82, uh, it was uh, the big the big two on Saturday Night Live at that time was Eddie Murphy and Joe Piscopo. Right, yeah. And Joe Piscopo did an amazing Frank Sinatra. Mm-hmm. Yes, Eddie Murphy did an amazing Stevie Wonder. Yeah. And so they went ahead and did yeah. a version of that song. You <laughs> yes, remember that? I do remember that one. Oh, yeah. That was so funny. Yeah. Guys, everybody listening, you need to you go on YouTube and look up uh, Ebony and Ivory, Saturday Night Live, Joe Piscopo and Eddie Murphy. It was hilarious because he he's doing his Frank Sinatra, right? And he's like, you are black and I am white. <laughs> You're as blind as a bat. And I got sight. <laughs> yeah, that's you're, the one. You, you. What do you say? Um, <laughs> you're my amigo, Negro. Let's be friends. Piscopo was awesome. Oh, that I was whatever so happened to him? You know? Oh, I don't know. He probably probably worked out too much. Too many... <laughs> that's right. Yeah. Yeah, he was a big guy. Yeah, he really was. Yeah. All right. So, Bob. Yep. I just want to point out mm-hmm. um, that I have had Donna Marie Puentes and Connie Ferrari. Now, these are, you know, legitimate w- yeah. women who show up, yeah. you know, where people are like, oh, okay. You've had Hilda Zemo and Wanda Maximoff. Mm-hmm. Please, please bring some legitimacy here right. with number six, Bob. But let me ask you something, Rick. Are you not intrigued to read the Medusa effect and and to go back and, and read that what if Avengers disassembled? If you are, my job here is done. <laughs> <laughs> oh, touche. All right. So number six, this is an exciting one for me, Rick. I, I, I really like this one. And this is another one of those ones where you, you dig in a little bit and you're rewarded, right? Mm-hmm. So it's my number six is Cynthia Glass, or as Cap refers to her, Steve, Cindy. So, you know, we could talk about like, what's her first appearance? And it's a little bit complicated because, you know, she first appears by name in the Avengers of Captain America number one from 1991, mm-hmm. right? But, it, but it's believed that um, the Agent X-13 that we see in the, cur- in the curio shop when, when Steve goes on that fateful day to receive the, the, the super soldier shot and the vital rays and, and when Professor Erskine is assassinated, it's believed that that was Glass herself as X-13. So, you know, I mean, we can we can debate that, but I think, you know, uh, a lot of people who read the comics think, yeah, that was that was X-13. All so, right. so I, before you get to that, all right. Um, first of all, I sigh because 
I'm like, okay, really? Because yeah, first of all, I love the adventures of Captain America. Mm-hmm. I enjoyed that miniseries. It's a great, great series. Um, I'm a huge fan of Kevin McGuire. Right. Uh, and, and this was right after that time where he was, you know, on Justice League uh, International. And uh, he is a master of facial expressions. One of these days, I hope to get a cool page from from that, you know, page of art. Because nice. I love I love McGuire. Um, but there's been debate on whether or not this is actually in the 616. Okay. In it has been coming around that it is. Now, when this came out, people were like, no, no, this isn't, you know, the real, you know, origin story of Captain America. This was kind of like an alternate universe. And I think if you went into something like marvelfandom.com, they kind of talked about that. Mm-hmm. Um, but but in the last few years, I have been seeing more and more people saying, oh, no, it actually is part of canon. It is part of 616. So it's up for debate. Yeah. I would love to have the writer on, uh, Fabian. Um, and I actually asked him like a year and a half ago if he wanted to be on the show. And he gave us some thought. And he was like, you know what? I'm I'm all about moving ahead. I don't, I don't want to live in the past. I don't want to, you know, talk about, you know, that that four issues that I did 20 years ago. So, eh. but I'd love to have him come on to see whether or not was she agent X 13? Like, did you have that in mind? Right. Uh, yeah. You know, or yeah. whatever. So yeah. we'll never know. We'll never all know. Right. Fair enough. Fair enough. So, um, all right. Well, I think she's a, an interesting love interest of cap and I'll, I'll tell you why. So we learn in the four issue, the four part miniseries that uh, the adventures of captain America, that Cynthia was an army intelligence officer assigned to support project rebirth. In other words, um, Steve knew her well before he underwent the super soldier uh, procedure. And I, and I do hope this is canon because it's such a great story, you know, especially those that first issue and a half, right? That, um, you know, we get that backstory. And I know you love stories as much as I do about pre-super soldier serum Steve. I do. Right. And we get a, such a great window into his, his personality and character at that time. But in any case, we learn in the third issue of that series that she is, in fact, a double agent called Agent X, who is working for the Nazis in their efforts to steal the secrets of Operation Rebirth. And in fact, they want to know what that extra little oomph is that Erskine came up with that was lost with his, his death. You know, it's the same thing that everybody was trying to figure out at that time. But in that last issue, everybody just, was always after a little extra oomph. A little oomph. Are we all really? <laughs> yeah. You know? <laughs> At the end of the day. <laughs> At the end of the day, right? So, but it's in that last issue, just as Steve is nearly broken by her betrayal as a double agent, she has a change of heart. And so she passes Bucky the master keys to the prison where uh, Bucky and Steve are being held. And it allows Bucky to escape and commandeer a tank. And just at that most dire moment in Cap's battle with the Red Skull, she throws Steve his shield so he can defend himself. This, of course, prompts the Red Skull to shoot her dead, but it allows Cap to triumph and escape with Bucky. And on the way home, Cap laments that he never had the chance to tell Cindy he loved her. And I I love this part, Rick, and I had to go back and check, right, because I wasn't sure. But Bucky tells Cap that she told him that she loved uh, Steve as well. And I went back, and, and in fact, she didn't. She didn't say that, but Bucky wanted to comfort his friend, and he told him that. And I thought that was pretty cool. So you don't think it happened off panel? 
It might have. It might have. Um, I, 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 I don't know why they wouldn't have included. It would have been cool. But, but in any case, I, I like that moment, you know, mm-hmm. of, of Bucky comforting his friend. So we could just set that to bed, right? Okay, maybe that's not canon, right? Maybe that's not 616. But, but Rick, there's more. Wait, what? There's more. Yes, there's more. In the first issue of the four-issue miniseries, Steve Rogers, Super Soldier from 2010. You remember that one? I do. I love that. I love that uniform. A little Ed Brubaker. I do too, man. If I was going to do cosplay, I thought I'd look pretty good in that. I could wear that to the grocery store. I would be the pre-serum, Steve. The pre-serum? Nice. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, in this first issue of this uh, this miniseries, Steve is on an assignment, you know? Now he's Commander Rogers, right? And he's surveilling uh, Professor Erskine's grandson. And he sees what looks to be Cynthia Glass. So we read a bit more in issue two about his relationship with Cynthia during World War II and how she died saving his life. It's here that he describes her as the first love I ever lost. It turns Mm -hmm. out, spoiler alert, that the woman he's met isn't really Cynthia, though she retains some of her memories of their relationship way back when. She's really a a life model decoy that was created by Machine Smith. And, And she ends up helping Steve defeat him, although in the end, she's she's destroyed. So yes, right? Um, it's an unusual pick, Rick, but I love the fact that he he called her out as the first love I ever lost. So it has to count, man. Uh, all right. You got me convinced. That is a, uh, it deserves to be in the top 10. And, and here we are at number six. Great job, Bob. All right. What do you got for number five, Rick? You know, before we get into number five, Bob, let's let's do a halftime show. Nice, right? Let's do a mm-hmm. halftime show. Uh, that hope I don't have a wardrobe malfunction. <laughs> um, <laughs> you know, let's let's get to those honorable mentions now. Yeah, we don't want to keep people keep people guessing. Yeah, right. We don't oh, want by the way, leaving I, it leaving it <laughs> halftime. <laughs> yeah. By the way, I want to tell you something. I meant to mention this in the beginning. Uh, when I gave you my my hello and the love boat theme, there was more than one reason, Bob, that I picked out the love boat theme. And it really? ties it ties in with something to do with this top ten list. Okay. okay. I will reveal it after. Oh my goodness. We get now through. I have to stick around. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So Bob, for runner ups, um, uh-huh. who do you want to start with? Whew. What about Holly? I, that one fascinates me because I remember reading that one and thinking, you know, attractive. You know, I think the term is, no, I can't say that. On... <laughs> is it, is it an abbreviation acronym of some sort? It's an, it's an acronym of some oh, sort. Yeah. Starts with an M and ends with an ILF. Yes. <laughs> yes. Is she on a shelf? Yeah, <laughs> milk on the shelf. I said it. Oh my! <laughs> yes, you know. I thought. Well, you know. It, I think that was dangled out there at the time. Oh, no pun intended. <laughs> you know, as a as who knows, right? I mean, interesting. Yeah, Isn't Mark Grunwald was like, "Hey, here's um here's somebody who's, you know, attracted to Steve. Who wouldn't be, right? Yeah, and um, right. you know, a single mom." Yeah, 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 and then you know? and then and then grew did her did her dirty by by killing her off in a horrible way. Well, that's right. I don't. Did she die? I remember she being in a coma. Yeah, I think she died. She did. She eventually die. Yeah. I think so. Yeah, yeah. 
What was the kid's name again? I can't remember the kid's name. Oh gosh. It, it was some weird name like Ram or something. It was it? Ram. Was yeah, it? <laughs> totally. It was, it was Okay. Yeah. Yeah. It was it was Ram. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Well, so I think what, what Catman had a comment about it, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. He said, I always thought Ram's mom, Holly Ridley, would have been a great love interest. And she might have been. It's it's you know, it's one of those what ifs, right? In fact, mm-hmm. it could have been a what if, you know, what if Cap hooked up with Ram's mom? <laughs> That's right. <laughs> um, yeah, you know, we actually covered the the end to her with, uh, remember the episode where, where Jason Olsen came on and we did the last Mark Grunewald issue? Right, yeah. Right? Oh, yes. Uh, yeah, it was yeah. Captain America 443 yeah. and uh, Jason Olsen came on, John Waller Sewell came on. Uh, it was in episode 98 uh, yeah. and, and that's when he goes by Cap realizes he's dying and he goes by to say goodbye to ram ram sitting out on the stoop of his house yeah which is apparently empty yeah because uh you know and he's a teenager because everybody's sitting out on the stoop right yeah and he's like oh you know you're no hero you couldn't you know no one could help my mom you know she got i don't know he got she got hit, hit by, by a car i think it was hijacked with by a bus full of yeah. penguins or something and something like- <laughs> oh she got shot she got yeah she got carjacked and shot in the head that was it yeah yeah yeah, yeah. i think grew was just in a bad place what, when he yeah what is up with that right <laughs> that was kind of a shocking turn of events for poor ram and you know steve's looking yeah. for a little validation and he didn't get any from ram yeah 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 uh all right my my honorable mention I, i'm gonna go with black widow i'm gonna go with natasha romanoff so i mean she did after all she did make make it to the top five in in on Facebook, right? Yeah, she she yeah. got she ended up getting five percent of the votes. Um yeah. you know, and she had it was an interesting character. Now I, I I will say, you know, Black Widow's been around. Yeah. Okay. Right. Well, not in that way. Yeah. No, no, she got around in that way. <laughs> I, she really did. I okay. mean, she was uh, a romantic interest with Hawkeye for a while yeah uh then she was in with daredevil matt murdoch for a while in fact in fact daredevil much like captain america and and the falcon you know became you know the series it used to be called daredevil and and black widow that's right yeah right so yeah yeah so she's had her share of of different boyfriends we'll call them uh paramours yeah yes leathers (laughs) um (laughs) <laughs> I was I always think of of uh on Saturday Night Live, the the was it um Will Farrell and uh I can't remember her name right now. Um they always they, they had a recurring character. The hot about, tub? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Hello, yeah. lover. Yeah, I whenever I get in the hot tub, I fall into that role. So yeah. <laughs> Do you? yeah. That's why my wife made me get rid of the one we had. <laughs> uh so you know she she but I loved Ed Brubaker's ability to write a series of Captain America without Steve Rogers. Yeah, like that. Just you know, and how did he do that? He elevated the Bucky Barnes character. He elevated you know uh, Sam Wilson's character. Elevated Sharon Carter's character. He elevated Natasha Romanoff. So 
that was, you know, a, a good time uh, as far as seeing her and Bucky together in a romantic yeah. relationship. Yeah. Um, and we had a couple of comments on the Facebook page. Grant Ball, who, you know, one of our longtime patrons, he wrote, uh, my vote for Widow is specially for her and Bucky. No real reason for it other than I liked them together. Yeah. And I okay. would I would agree with that. Mm -hmm. And then uh, another um, patron of the show, he wrote Aaron Paul. I think Natasha should be an honorable mention because of her time as Bucky's main love interest when he was slinging the shield. Hence why she earned my vote. Yeah. So there you go, Grant. There you go, Aaron. We agree with you. Honorable mention. I think, you know, we, I mean, we, we, we did open it up to all caps, not the kind on your keyboard, but all Captain America's. And um, why are you always yelling at me, Bob? I, I'm just trying to straighten you out, Rick. I'm trying to No, the all okay. caps, you know? Yeah. Um, but, but you know, the thing about, I, I, I think it is a powerful thing with Bucky and Natasha is that they understood each other, right? They both had a very turbulent, dark background that they were trying to make up for. And I think that was a really interesting thing about the way that yeah. Bruce Baker um, wrote their relationship and uh, and what made it so compelling, right? Uh, for that reason, I think she, she definitely deserves more than an honorable mention. And if, ha if we had sort of branched out to more than just Steve Rogers, I, I definitely think she should have been in the running. Oh, I'm sorry, Bob. Were you not paying attention? We did branch out to more we than did. Steve Rogers. We did. We did. You didn't branch out. Okay. You're right. You're right. You're right. You're right. So why didn't you include, include her in your top 10 then, Bob? How yeah. did how did Zola make it instead of her? Z uh... Oh, Zemo. Sorry. That's yeah. all. I get my Zs mixed up. <laughs> So a lot of people. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So so why why well, Zemo? Everybody's over... read volume five of, 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 of Captain America and nobody's read the Medusa effect. So I'm just about shilling books that nobody's read. Wow. Yeah. The truth comes out. I'm trying to drum up drum up business for uh... all right. Who else is a honorable mention for you? All right. Misty Knight. Mm. So uh another interesting character, right? Sam, we haven't, you know, obviously. Uh, in the vote, Misty Knight was in there, and so was Layla, and, and we both discussed why Layla was probably a bad choice for Sam. But you know, Misty has taken on a a, a, a bigger role in in Sam's first series as Captain America, and in, in the Symbol of Truth, she has a, a substantial role. And I, I like their dynamic, right? I mean, she doesn't take any 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 guff from him. She's a very independent woman, and um, but she's an equal. Right. Mm -hmm. And they treat each other like equals. So it's a mature adult relationship. And, and I'm really interested to see how that goes. So Aaron Paul wrote, you know, for Misty, her time in relationship with Sam hasn't been fleshed out enough yet, in my opinion, but it's worth a mention. And, and that's why we're going to give her an honorable mention. Yeah. Yeah, I do. I, I like what you pointed out, the fact that they're equals. That certainly is a dynamic that's important. You know, some of these love interests only know the civilian character. They don't know the other half. And um, so it's interesting when, when they do know and, and they're, they're equals as well. They're not just a civilian themselves. Yeah. You know, it's funny. I was having this conversation with my wife last night about. Um, now she, we... she an equal or is. Uh, oh, she's or... A, she surpasses me in every okay. way. Right. But we were talking about. You know, this... she doesn't listen to this, Bob. You don't have to worry about. <laughs> you never know. Really. She may be getting a summary digest of what <laughs> she used to be an intel. So, you know, we were talking about the show, right? And, and talking about the differences of how uh, like Cap's love interests were written in the 60s and early 70s and, mm -hmm. you know, and how it's changed over time, how it's evolved. 
and and how perhaps back then stories were written for maybe a younger audience than than now. Mm-hmm. But I do think, you know, we always talk about representation and it's important for people to see, you know, people like themselves. But I also think it's important for people to see like mature adult relationships. You know, mm-hmm. we, we learn vicariously through what we see and what we read. And so, you know, I like to see relationships where the, the characters are, are their own people, right? They're three-dimensional people and they're having issues and working through them. And, and, and that's one of the things I like about the Misty Knight-Sam Wilson relationship. Yeah, and I, I think most of us like Misty Knight over Layla, any day of the week. Um, Layla Taylor twice on Tuesday. Yeah, yeah. Um, now Layla, she gets a, you know, I mean, she gets a little bit of a bad rap too. I, I mean, she was a character, a product of that time period. Sure. Yeah. You know, so she mm-hmm. was written like an angry black lady. You know, right at the cusp of. Um, civil rights yeah. and and women's lib the activists at the, you know at the same yeah. time and so you know she kind of was written a certain way maybe it was cliche uh but it certainly did bring drama to to the character of sam wilson right it wasn't you know this uh everything's great love romantic relationship no she she was she had a lot of sass you Ooh, know I like that yeah sass and so she, there was a lot of conflict with her. Um, she, she had, you know, some, sometimes, you know, a little rage, um, but you know, she's, she's kind of moved on, I, I think. Mm-hmm. So she became, I want to say, I read somewhere she became like this investigative journalist. I think so. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so she developed, you know, and I think that was, you know, in the nineties and the two thousands, right. She, she kind of, came a little bit more fleshed out than this, you know, yeah. young, angry black lady. Um, so I, I, I think she totally deserves to, to be uh, an honorable mention. All right. All right. So we're going to jump back into the final five, Rick? I think we should. I All think right. we should. So I, should I go ahead and do five? Yeah. Yeah, do it. All right. So for number five on the top 10 romantic love interest of Captain America. I'm going back, Bob. We're going way, way back to Captain America comics number one. All the way back in 1941. I'm going to go with Elizabeth Ross, known as Betty, a.k.a. Golden Girl. And, um, oh, she was Golden Girl starting with Captain America comics 66. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, still the same person. And, you know, sometimes, you know, people hear Betty Ross, they they think of, um, you know, General Thunderbolt Ross's daughter, uh, which is Elizabeth Ross Banner. Um, But this is Elizabeth Betty Ross. And, you know, also to kind of bring it full circle, General Thunderbolt Ross is the nephew of Betty Ross. So they are kind of related. Um, Yeah. Yeah. Huh. but anyway, Betty Betty appeared in a lot of early Golden Age Cap comics. Uh, so actually, she 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 appeared in I I want to say twenty seven of the original Golden Age run, and um and some of the the Cap stories featured in Marvel Mystery Comics. So she's been around for a while. Um, and then there were sixteen issues before 
William Naslin took over as cap in issue 49. Uh, well, you know, if you're going to go by the retcon anyway. Um, and she was she was typically portrayed as, as, a, as a government agent. She worked on undercover missions as, a, as like a journalist. And she, so she changed her name to, to Betsy Ross instead of Betty Ross, uh, starting in Captain America Comics 61. And she wasn't just a bit player in most of these stories. You know, she, she often played like a pivotal role in the plots. And so during that time, she was linked romantically with Steve Rogers and who, you know, sometimes there was a lot of friction between that and the competition with Sergeant Mike Duffy for, for Ross's affections. And there were sometimes uh, other suitors as well. Now, she, of course, was not aware that Steve was, in, in fact, Captain America. So at one point, she and Steve were engaged, uh, only for her to switch camps and promised Sergeant Duffy to marry him instead. And I think it was because he was a sergeant. Well, I can see that. That's pretty fickle. Yeah. Of course, by the next story in, in that it, that same issue, which was uh, Captain America Comics 18, uh, Betty was back to being in Steve's arms again. Now, Jeff Mace, according to the retcon, took over as Captain America starting in issue 59, and then he remained as Cap th all the way through Captain America's Weird Tales 74. And she was uh, featured in a couple stories from the 50s relaunch of Cap, who we now know was William Burnside. So, of course, as we learned in Captain America Patriot miniseries from 2010, she continued to serve alongside Jeff Mace's Captain America as Golden Girl. And then they eventually gave up the uniforms and they settled down uh, in a small town called Glendale, New York, where Jeff became the editor of the town newspaper and Betsy became a school teacher. And we saw Jeff Mace um, pass away in, uh, recently, right, in Captain America. Uh, we just covered that a few episodes in episode 120, where he passed away in Cap 285. Um, and then last we see uh, of Betty is uh is actually in the one shot ant-man last days which came out in 2015 where we get to see her final days spent as the uh ex-superhero ex-supervillain florida retirement community uh, valhalla villas run by madeline joyce who was formerly miss america so it seems weird that such an important character was completely retconned out of steve rogers life when he revived back you know in avengers 4 in, in 1963 because um, Betty had been so central to, to many of his and Bucky's adventures, as well as the adventures of William Naslin and Fred Davis, and then later Jeff Mace. So she was also someone who was likely an important role model for young girls during the World War II era. Just, you know, just throwing that out there. But yeah. anyway, I thought it was important to to have her here um, because she touched you know, she was with Steve Rogers and then a little bit of William Aslan and then Jeff Mace. Uh, I think I think she totally makes it into the top five yeah. romantic love interests. Well, you know, it makes sense. And again, like, you know, it, it always surprised me. And we talked about this like in the 50s, you know, we, we covered the 1950s cap that like she just completely disappeared. Right. And uh, of course, her and it was great to see that story in Captain America Patriot and her and Jeff Mace settle down and, and live their life. And 
you know, presumably, you know, raise children. I don't, I don't know if they ever had children, but, um, and then we see in that Ant-Man last days, she gets de-aged for like a day or something along with all the superheroes and supervillains living in the Valhalla villas. And uh, it was neat to see her, you know, doing her golden girl thing again, but she's such a, she was such an important character in the golden age in um, for all the caps. And it's just, yeah, it's crazy that, you know, she never really made it, made the jump into the modern era and the Silver Age and up. But just by virtue of, you know, longevity, and she definitely rates a mention here. Yeah. And I think a lot of the ones that we've tried to make it on here have been, I mean, some have been just a brief little tryst or something, but some of them ha have some longevity, you know, mm. like a Connie Ferrari um, and like, um, you know, Golden Girl. So that brings us to number four, Bob. Yeah. Talk about longevity. Right. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, it has to be Margaret Peggy Carter. Right. And and I'm talking about the comet, Margaret Peggy Carter, because I do think, you know, and, you know, a lot of love for Peggy Carter happens to be, you know, a little bleed over from the cinematic universe. And who doesn't love, you know, the cinematic universes, Peggy and, and, and Steve romance. But, you and, know, and Haley Atwell. And, and of course, Haley Atwell, <laughs> right? Yeah, yeah exactly. Mm -hmm. yes. oh, yeah. So, um, so no, we get a, you know, we get a brief glimpse of Captain America's ill-fated World War II romance with, with Peggy in issue 75 of, of Tales of Suspense. And, you know, it's just a brief, you know, remembrance and that name of Cap's wartime love is, is never mentioned. And then two issues later in Tales of Suspense 77, we learn more about this World War II romance. And again, though, the name of this woman is, is never mentioned. And it's not until seven years later in 1973, when Captain America 161 and 162 hit the stands, that we are again acquainted with the story of, of Peggy Carter, who is now uh, committed to the Lost Souls Asylum and Rest Home under the professional care of one Dr. Faustus. You know, it's in that story that we learn that Sharon, Sharon Carter is Peggy's younger sister, both of them daughters of Harrison and Amanda Carter. And we, we covered that, uh, that story arc in, in, I think, episode 51. You know, it's also revealed in this, um, what, what uh, in this two-issue story, what Tales of Suspense 77 led us to believe, that Cap never knew Peggy's real name during World War II, which which is kind of odd if you think about it for two folks in love. We joked about that. I yeah. think we covered Tales of Suspense uh, 79 through 81 back in episode 12. Mm -hmm. And I, I think that was a there's a part where Steve's looking out a window at nighttime. Yeah. And, he, and he's and he's like, oh, I can only think of her. What's her anyway, name? Yeah, <laughs> he kept he kept referring to her as her. Right. Her. Yeah. Yeah. And then it was, and I think we also pointed out that somewhere later when Sharon is introduced, we he doesn't know Sharon's name either, and he keeps referring to her as her. Yes. And I was like, right. come on, Steve, Stan, and Jack. I mean, like, yeah. come on, guys. Yeah, like, writing a lot of stuff. Please. <laughs> Well, you know, in, in, in this, in these stories, he only refers to her as Mademoiselle and, you know, and she never knew his real name, right? She only knew him, you know, with his cowl on. So, you know, that's Cap. So, you know, we see one of these early World War II adventures with Cap and Mademoiselle, and that was told in the 2011 one-shot Captain America in the first 13. It's a, it's a title that lets us know that Peggy also used the moniker Agent 13 well before Sharon. 
you know, hearkening back to Tales of Suspense 77, we're reminded that Peggy suffered amnesia as a result of this explosion during the wanting days of World War II. And when she eventually recovered, only then did she learn of Cap's alleged demise in May of 1945. This news, we're told, caused her to mentally shut down and dress herself as a widow. And her, her family and doctors never uh, told her that Cap supposedly reappeared in the 50s for fear that like it would shock her so much that her fragile mind would just, you know, collapse. Anyway, it proved that that was the anti-communist Cap and then he too disappeared. So, you know, maybe, you know, it was the best thing after all. So it's in Captain America 162 that she finally learns Cap's alive, but alas, too much time has passed for these crazy kids. And also Cap is at this time canoodling her baby sister. <laughs> so you know over the years of course she slowly gets over cap and comes to this to grip with her let's just say advanced age and and steve has to eventually tell her of his involvement with sharon that was an issue 179 and eventually you know peggy bounces back and she has a relationship with gabe jones and um you know things seem to be going well and, and peggy goes on to play a really important role with shield and with the avengers and she eventually grows old and somewhat senile and eventually passes away and we we see her funeral in captain america um number one this is this is volume six from 2011 mm -hmm. but like the other carter her uh, erstwhile uh, sister and 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 later where we learn her niece um she doesn't stay dead forever right and in issue 19 of volume nine of captain america it's revealed that she too is alive again, thanks to the sentient cosmic cube Kobik, who has brought her back and de-aged her. So it, it appears, you know, it, you know, we've been talking about the new Sentinel of Liberty series, and it, it Peggy has a big role to play in that series. So it's interesting to see where that's going to lead. You know, romantically speaking, who knows? She's looking pretty good, Rick. Yeah, um, <laughs> I suppose. Yeah, wasn't it in the last volume, volume 10, the, the coats were where they brought her back and like de-aged her or something? Yeah, volume nine. Oh, volume. Volume nine. Yeah. Was that nine? I don't know. I, I yeah. think I have right, it in I'll, my I'll... system as volume 10, but right. who knows? But who knows? Yeah. It's the coats. Yeah, it, the coats it's definitely run, but... the coats run. Yeah. Yeah. But didn't they also say like she has been around lot lots like she was like part yeah. of this witches. The Daughters of Liberty. Yeah, and, and yeah. that there was due to some magic, like she had been around a lot longer than when she met Steve in World War II. Like yeah, she was back was very like the weird. Puritan ages or something. Uh yeah. Well, I don't know if she went back that far, but but yeah, she she's definitely been um which is which is hard to square with uh you know Harrison and Adele Carter, her parents or, or whoever. But anyway, yeah, they never really thoroughly explained that. Yeah. But again, I like to point out that she's looking pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> so that, that, that is true you know it's it's a very different story than the the, the cinematic universe story um but who knows where to lead rick yep uh, you know yeah. if we want to make things complicated and interesting and twists and turns some of that cinematic universe uh, flavor might leak over into uh, what's going on now in cap's life maybe you know i i, I want to see more uh uh, Peggy Carter, uh, Captain Carter. I want to see more of that. Oh, I do too. Yeah, yeah, I do too. All right, so let's get to number three, Bob. Now, I think we all knew who the top three were going to be, right? So in the Facebook group, it was number three, Bernie, number two, Sharon, number one, Rachel. 
Mm-hmm. I don't think we have it that we don't have it that way, Bob. Yeah, the order is a little bit different. The order is a little different. Let's go to number three, and it is Rachel Layton, <gasps> aka Diamondback. Wow. Yes, number three. Now she's certainly a fan favorite, obviously, right? She got yeah. voted number one in our Facebook group, but we gave it some serious thought, and we're ranking her as number three. Now she was introduced back in Captain America three ten, um, on the heels of Steve Rogers' relationship with Bernie, oddly enough, and and you know her and Steve and Rachel's relationship turned out to be very different kind of relationship, right? So Bernie was this uh, glass blower and everyday girl next door. Rachel was a criminal and was taught the ropes by none other than Brock Rumlow, who is AKA Crossbones and uh, the Savage Crims gang back then. And then she later worked as one of the original members of the Serpent Society. And that's where she became the character Diamondback. Now, after her first confrontation with Cap while on assignment to find and kill Modoc, she was instantly smitten by the Sentinel of Liberty. Now, many issues later, when when Viper, remember when she staged a takeover of the Serpent Society from Sidewinder? Oh, I never forget a Viper story. Yes. Well, Diamondback, she reached out to Cap to for help, and you know he came. With his team, you know, I think it was Nomad and D-Man and Sam and so on, and uh, and helped, um, you know, defeat Viper. Um, so after that, she abandoned the Serpent Society, and the relationship really began to heat up during the Bloodstone Hunt. Now she was trying to get on the good side, like she was trying to turn a leaf because she really wanted to do it so that, you know, Cap would have an interest in her. And so during the Bloodstone hunt, which was issues 357 through 362, and by the way, that was, we covered that all the way back in episode three. If anybody wants to, to listen to that, um, that was a, a fun story. But she eventually, um, you know, kind of wore Cap down, I think, a little bit. And he, and he warmed up to the idea of a reformed Rachel, uh, although he he was never entirely comfortable with the idea of the two being a couple. Um, you know, it, it was a lot of fun where they went out on a, on their first date in issue three seventy one, and uh, we covered that in episode sixty seven. That was that was a fun story where Rachel and Steve go out, and, and you get to see an awkward Steve outside of the uniform. Um, and the two of them kind of flirting together and so on. But, you know, one always had the feeling that eh, it just wasn't going to work out, right? Rachel always seemed to get pulled back into, you know, the criminal life and her old associates. And Steve never really seemed committed to the idea of a romance with Diamondback as, as much as maybe, you know, being a friend or a mentor. Friends and on. yeah. Yeah. And now... Although, I will say this, in volume four, which was during the the four-issue Robert Kirkman story, which was tied around the same time as uh, Avengers Disassembled, uh, it did feature Diamondback. And the very last 
issue of, of volume four ended with Steve suggesting to Rachel that they go get a room. That's right. I remember we talked about that at the time. Yeah. And uh, which seemed really out of character. Uh, so we cover that story arc um, in episode 97, if anyone wants to check that out. Right. But that was uh, that was a lot of fun. So I think Rachel totally deserves to be in the top three. But she's she's number three for me because it it really wasn't quite a, a true love relationship between the two of them. Yeah. You know, it's funny, uh, you know, part of me thinks like, oh, well, you know, we've got the top three, Sharon and, and Bernie and, and Rachel, right? That's what people voted for, top three, a different order. But, you know, how much of it is like, you know, who was the love interest when you were really you know, growing up reading comic? Mm -hmm. And another exactly. is, another is like, though, like, what do you look for, right? In a, in, in a love interest, right? Some folks really like the opposites attract, right? Mm -hmm. Some folks are looking for, you know, the girl next door. And, and, and some folks are looking for perhaps, you know, somebody who is, uh, you know, a powerful equal mm -hmm. in, in their own right. So um, I think it may be a little bit of both, you know, at play here in, in the way that different people order um, these top three. Yeah, and I, I totally agree with you, Bob, because I think all three of these have a different personality, uh, a different character that brings into that. And I think they're, you know, let's face it, the writers for these series got that. Like, yeah. we can't just replicate it and do something, you know, the same to replace somebody similar. Mm. Let's do something different, you know, good for them. And they, they you know, they nailed it. Obviously, we all we, we all feel the same way. They, you know, these are top three. Uh, and a couple comments in the Facebook group. Brian Nichols wrote Diamondback. Opposites attract for for Steve. I'd like their interaction and the date issue three uh, date issue, which was um, you know three seventy one. Mm. And then, and I apologize, Costas. I'm gonna I'm gonna probably mispronounce your last name, but Vlaco Giannis. Um, he he wrote Rachel without question. So definitely a lot of people out there who wanted to see Rachel as our top number one. Sorry. Sorry, everybody. Number three. Yeah. All right. So we got for number two, Bob. All I mean, right. it's coming down. It's coming down to Sharon and Bernie. Uh, yeah. Who Who's it going to be? Who's number two? Well, Rick, this is a tough one for me. And this, I mean, really, this this I wrestled with this. I laid in bed at night thinking about this. This was a hard one for me. But I, I did go with Bernie. And now Bernie's number one in my heart. Mm -hmm. Number one in my heart, but you know, I I think, well, we'll talk about why maybe she comes in at number number two. So you know, Bernie first appeared in Captain America two forty seven. She's a she's a woman of Jewish heritage. She's renowned as one of the most talented glass blowers in the New York Metroplex, um, and she's the former owner and operator of Rosenthal's Glass Menagerie in, in Greenwich Village, New York, along with her business partner Annie Brennan. So she's like she's like an accomplished woman, right? Mm -hmm. um but not a spy not a uh, you know not a lot of uh you know criminal a, a criminal right she's she's not, not a, a south american uh revolutionary yeah right she's just somebody you might meet at a coffee shop or at the library or you know at church or something right so or a synagogue bob yeah synagogue 
or a synagogue, right? Right, because she's she's Jewish, right? So she's leased a part uh, apartment in the building where Steve Rogers lives. You know, the brownstone owned by Anna Kappelbaum at five sixty nine Lehman Place in Brooklyn Heights. And so Steve and Bernie start off as as neighbors, right? They've got some mutual friends with guys who live in the building, and eventually they become friends, and eventually they enter into a more romantic relationship. In issue 276, Bernie realizes Steve is Captain America, and they continue their relationship, even though Steve, you know, initially tries to uh, end it to keep her from harm, but she's not having any of it, Rick. She gives him a big speech, and uh, it's, it's really a great um, series of panels. In issue 294, Bernie proposes to Steve, and almost to his surprise, he says yes now, eventually, Bernie and Anne are first forced to close their, their glass blowing shop and um, because the lease was raised and this was an in, in issue 309, right? And she begins studying to go to law school. And then they noticeably start growing apart. And, you know, again, it's very, you know, real, right? That's what happens to people when their lives take them in different directions. So I appreciate that sort of realism in this relationship. So in issue 317, she moves out of her place at, uh, at, uh, at Lehman Place, and she heads off to Ohio to enter law school. And Steve ends up missing her farewell party because he's off with Hawkeye fighting uh, the death throes. Remember, yeah. oddball and crossfire, bombshell, ringleader, and a couple others. And when he returns early in the morning, he finds a Dear Steve letter Bernie has left for him in her empty apartment. Another Dear Steve letter. Well, not another. This is the original. Well, this is the original, right? Yeah. But so, yeah, poor, poor Steve gets a lot of these Dear Steve letters. Mm -hmm. Well, it's so, better than like a Dear Bob letter. Well, that that is a good point. So they keep in touch and, you know, and Steve ends up visiting Bernie in Ohio. But, you know, eventually they they drift further and further out of each other's orbits. And, and Steve increasingly in the comics begins to refer to her as his former fiance and confidant. Now she continues to show up in stories from time to time, but in a in a in a short story by Roger Stern in issue six hundred, this is you know after after Cap is apparently killed right on the steps of the courthouse. Uh, this is that that issue that has a lot of mini stories in it. In this one, we 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 learn that she never stopped thinking about him or loving him, and she had actually been there in the crowd. Uh, when Steve was apparently shot and killed because she wanted him to see a friendly face uh, in that jeering crowd. And later she was, she was Bucky Barnes's legal counsel when he was put on trial um, mm -hmm. for his crimes as a winter soldier. So, you know, I love Bernie. I think she was in my mind, she's number one. And, uh, and, and I love mm -hmm. that character and uh, gosh, I, I, I'd love to see more of her actually in, uh, in future issues. You know, I, I think she could totally be argued for, for number one. Um, and I think it goes back to like what you said, right? Well, like who was the person that we were reading comics, right? Bernie, Bernie talk about longevity. You know, she was in Steve's life for 60, 70 issues. And that's a long time. Now, maybe not all of them as, you know, a romantic interest or you know whatever, but, but a good portion of them. And, um, you know, she was, she was uh, the first romantic love interest of Steve that I had. And, you know, when she found out that Steve was Captain America, you know, that was that was so cool, you know, and she was like, nope, 
like you said, she's not having it, right? Like we're sticking together and we're going to get through this. And then it was so fun when, when Jack Monroe showed up, you know, she took him in when Arnie showed up, she took him in, uh, when Steve had to go off to do Captain America stuff, she understood they, you know, I, I think it was that one, one of the ep issues we covered, um, it was the American Christmas, you know, with the, with the, with the Black Crow. Yep. And uh, that was in episode 63. Yeah. Because uh, it was Captain America 292. Um, I remember the two of them walking down the street and, and they're getting gifts and she mentioned something about kids, you know, and he was like, yeah. what? <laughs> yeah. yeah. And, and, you know, so we got to see. You know, and, and so it was introduced with Roger Stern as the writer. Then J.M. DeMatteis, I think, just took it to a whole new level. Mm -hmm. And um, and then when Mark Grunewald came on, uh, it started to to slowly fizzle out. Now, I know somebody in the group had mentioned, oh, well, you know, Mark Grunewald, I guess, didn't like burning. I don't know about that because mm -hmm. people sometimes forget that Mark Grunewald was the editor for J.M. DeMatteis. Right. Yeah. You know, so he was involved in all of those stories when when burning was getting fleshed out um and so on so i you know I, I think i wouldn't have been upset if bernie was number one uh but that's not how it worked out so how about uh we we had some comments rick didn't we oh uh, yeah we did uh grant ball um he wrote i really liked bernie because she's not involved in the superhero world with how down to earth Steve is, I've long felt he'd do better with a normal person, and Bernie is the best of those love interests by far. Hmm, interesting. I think he nailed something there, though, Rick. Right? I mean, you know, Connie called him, called, called Steve out on this that he, you know, he couldn't live two lives. Right? He had, mm. he had to integrate them and pick which one was going to be dominant, and. Um, and I, and I think this was this was hard for him. And, I, you know, and I think this this relationship was doomed to fizzle out because of that. And that was maybe some of what was interesting in, in Grunewald's, you know, working Bernie out of the out of the place, out of the way was that it, it had to be resolved. Right. The only other way this could have gone is for them to have gotten married, and, you know, and had a family. And that probably wouldn't have been that interesting. Because um, that's where it was headed. Right. So, yeah, no, totally. Yeah. Yeah, so I, I, uh, there was another comment there, Bob. Oh yeah, Capman. He uh, he wrote that the best would be all three of Cap's main love interests combined into one character, but I have to pick Bernie as my personal fave because I agree with Kirby and Simon that Cap is supposed to be an everyman we can relate to. So here's my rankings: Bernie, regular person capable of having a relationship with Steve that us regular folk can relate to. Able to be strong and independent without being portrayed as a cardboard character. Always liked the fact that she was a glassblower and that she was Jewish. All yeah, good points. It, yeah, it, it, it just, it was it was a total, you know, compliment to, to Steve, you know, as far as some, some differences and diversity from what he was. So I wouldn't say, you know, opposites like a, a diamondback, but it certainly wasn't something like, oh, someone who was a, a mirror image of Steve at all. All right, Bob. Yeah. Well, I guess there's no surprise. Number one is Sharon Carter. <gasps> oh, my gosh. You caught me off guard. Yeah. So it's clear 
that ever since her first nameless appearance, as we talked about before, in Tales of Suspense 75, the relationship between Sharon Carter and Steve Rogers was an important part of the Captain America mythos, even if an occasionally an awkward part. So besides lamenting the loss of Bucky in the late 60s and early 70s, and oh my God, did we get enough of that? Yeah. Steve's private mental life was largely consumed with his love for Sharon. Uh, you know, they they occasionally bickered, which not unusual for, you know, a two-career couple, as you have pointed out. But I, I don't think anyone expected what happened at the conclusion of the National Force story that concluded with Sharon under the mind control of Dr. Faustus incinerating herself in issue 237. I have no idea what Chris Claremont and Roger McKenzie were thinking. They weren't long on the book. Uh, I don't know what, what prompted them to come onto the book for the brief time that they were and like, hey, let's kill Sharon Carter. But, you know, this apparent death of Sharon Carter was was quite a shock, uh, not just to Steve, but to, to many of the readers as well. But, you know, hey, it's comics. Life moves on. And sure, you know, Steve, you know, he struggled a little bit with Sharon's death. Um, you know, there was this uh, manipulator that used a vision of her her self-immolation against Cap in issue 242. Um, and then there was Peggy was blaming him for it. Uh, but still, eventually, Steve did move on, uh, which actually happened pretty quickly because <laughs> he met Bernie Rosenthal five issues later in 247. And then, um, of course, we talked about eventually, you know, Rachel uh, Diamondback. And we barely hear the name of Sharon Carter mentioned again. So it, it went that way for a long time. And it seemed like she was truly dead and gone. But again, it's comics. Um, and nearly 200 issues later, Mark Wade uh, began writing Captain America in, in the 1990s. And he took the unexpected step of revealing that Sharon was in fact still alive. And we covered the story in podcast episode 15, which was uh, cap issues 445 through 448. And this was a, a resurrection that was embraced by a lot of fans, including yours truly, and including writer Ed Brubaker, who, su who suggested that, you know, he would have revived her during his run if Wade hadn't already done it. So Sharon obviously played a huge role in Brubaker's run in volumes five and six, which we talked about. I mean, you know, I mean, it doesn't get much bigger than she shot Cap in issue 25 uh, and, and apparently killed him while under the mind control of Dr. Faustus. I got to tell you, that Dr. Faustus, he's, he's, everywhere. Really, he's messed up Sharon quite he, a bit. He's also very effective. Yeah. I mean, if I had some psychiatric issues, I'd, I'd see him. <laughs> I don't know why you're very would. good at his job. Yeah. Um, so, you know, at least for a time um, uh, there in Ed Brubaker's run, it also appeared that she was carrying Steve's child. Um, so there was that. Uh, uh, and then uh, a substantial number of cap storylines that occurred since Wade took that unanticipated step wouldn't, wouldn't have been nearly the same without Sharon's involvement. So since, you know, Ed Brubaker's run, Sharon has increasingly taken on a more central and 
less antagonistic role in Steve's life. Now, let's face it, Mark Wade, she was very antagonistic, right? I mean, sure was argumentative. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They were combative, and because you know she, any I guess Mark Wade had a writer that way because she was mad that she was presumed dead. No one ever came to look for her, you know, and that she thought that was, you know, BS. And so she had some anger issues, you know, because she went through a tough time, you know, uh, off the grid. So, yeah, I could see, you know, that. But 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 in Brubaker's one, you know, that that was a lot more fleshed out. Right. Like she became, you know, much more three dimensional. And yeah. then in in volume seven, which was the, the Rick Remender run mm-hmm. with John Remita Jr. when they went to. Um, Zola's, you know, Dimension Z, which, right. by the way, we're going to be covering issue two of that s- story here shortly. You know, I don't want to spoil anything, but, you know, Steve was still deeply in love with her when she came back from Dimension Z. Um, and, you know, he was aged at that time, but then, you know, when he regained his youthful vitality at the end of the Secret Empire story, you know, he remained madly in love with her. And then in the current series, you know, she was she's recently been brought back by Colin Kelly and Jackson Lansing, as we discussed recently in, in our discussion with them. You know, they recognize that, you know, she's often Steve's emotional anchor in a storm. So, you know, for all of those reasons, she has to be number one on our list. Well, you know, I, you know, I agree. I mean, you know, I mean, just the weight of history, the weight of the mythos, she has been Cap's main love interest for years, back and forth, back and forth, back and forth, you know, and it's like a bad penny you can't get rid of. Uh, that may be too strong, but you know, she, she's been there. And, you know, I do think Baker did a much better job making her more of a three-dimensional character, you know, especially that that after after Steve was shot and presumably killed that back half of, of volume five, there was a lot of um, there was a, a, a lot of panels devoted to to Sharon and yeah. uh, Sharon out of her jumpsuit. Right. Sharon in. Whoa. Uh, yeah. Well, that's <laughs> Sharon in civilian clothes. Right. Sharon at her house or her parents, you know, estate or whatever yeah. it was. And, you know, just a lot more about Sharon. But, you know, Sharon is still, you know, the thing that kind of bugs me about Sharon. Can I say this? Of course she, you can. Yeah, it's, it's your still, show too, dude. She's still a little bit of a two-dimensional character, right? I mean, what do we know about Sharon? Like, do we know who her friends are? Do we know, like, does she have hobbies? She's committed to her job. <laughs> right, that's, but that's what I mean though, right? She's always been, since the 60s, always been a company woman. And, uh, and you know, that's interesting, but I would like to, I hope uh, Lansing and Kelly, um, dig a bit deeper into her character and and we get to learn a little bit more about her as a person like we did about um you know bernie or even to some extent diamondback all right i don't think they're going to do that because i think they have a lot of other things they want to cover in the series but let me ask you this okay would you pick up a sharon carter miniseries yeah i probably would yeah I would. I think it'd be interesting if if it was an attempt to to really expand on her her backstory a little bit more and you know a little bit more about her as a person as Ooh. opposed to just a professional angle. Gotcha. I mean that's obviously important, right? That's the adventure stuff, but 
would be interesting to know, does she have friends other than Steve and Sam and, you know, Bucky and the normal crowd and, mm -hmm. you know. All right. Uh, Alana Smith, if you're listening, uh, I'll be sending you my pitch in a few weeks for the Sharon Carter miniseries. There you go. It could be a hit, right? I mean, there's a lot of maybe an audience out there for uh, a, a Sharon Carter. I mean, Maria Hill has, you know, a bit compromised over the years and mm -hmm. her, her behavior, but yeah, maybe Sharon might be interesting. For, yeah. For I, I want Adam Hughes to be my artist. <laughs> Fair enough. Yeah, that would be yeah. good. Yeah. All right. Or, you know what? Hey, Kevin McGuire. I don't think you're you're doing anything right now. Uh, he's doing yeah, he's doing commissions, but I don't think he's on a regular book right now. So uh, I'll do Kevin McGuire. He draws a pretty woman. Yeah, he does. There yeah. He does. Hey, we had some comments though, right? Oh yeah, about about Sharon. About Sharon? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So um, Adam Rubenstein, he he voted his top three were Sharon, Bernie, Diamondback. Hey, he got the same three we did. Good job, Adam. Yeah, he sure did. Nice job. All right, Aaron Paul. You know, he he wrote. I I think Natasha. You know, he 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 did say he commented earlier when we mentioned it that he thought Natasha should be an, uh, an honorable mention, and of course, you know, he likes Misty because of her time with Sam. Even though he thought that should be fleshed out a little bit more, but he said his number one is Sharon. She and Steve give me a Kurt Russell and Goldie Hawn vibe together forever, just not ever getting married. Ah, I like that, Aaron. Except that one if uh, issue, right? Where they they were married and had kids. Yeah, yeah. But I, yeah. I, I, I totally agree. I think that's a it's a good good vibe. Good call by you. Yeah. And then uh, Tom Liscord, he wrote reading current run, and no doubt in my feeble mind, Sharon is the one. My first issue happened to be one fourteen, so there's that too. So yeah, there was uh plenty of votes for Sharon Carter. Uh, so anyway, that's our top 10. Um, Beautiful. Yeah. Just a real quick recap. We had number 10, Hilda Zemo. What? <laughs> number nine, Donna Marie Puentes. See? Number eight, Wanda Maximoff. Mm, I like it. Maximoff. <laughs> uh, we had number seven, Connie Ferrari. <laughs> <laughs> Number six, Cynthia Glass. Hmm. Number half five, empty, half full. <laughs> Number five, we had Betty Ross, aka Golden Girl, aka Maud. <laughs> Number four, we have Peggy Carter. Chip, chip, did a do. <laughs> I was waiting for you to do that. Uh, that's what it was. Yes. All right. Um, number three, we have Rachel Layton, aka Diamondback. Number, and I, I just keep going back to the quote of Jack Monroe. I wonder if she's clean. <laughs> <laughs> oh, writing for the Times. Number yeah. two, Bernie Rosenthal. Number one in our hearts. Number one in our hearts. And then number one, top 10, Captain America, romantic love interest, Sharon Carter. You know, I, I think, Rick, look, I don't want to state the obvious, 
but I think it's a testament to Bernie that she was able to compete with two women in jumpsuits. <laughs> so, oh, that's you know, a good point. It's still made number two on the list. So that's that's a very good yeah. point. Bob, uh, you know what? That was fun doing a top 10 list. Um, we're going to have to do another top 10 list. Now, I don't want to get anybody's hopes up because we also talked at the end of episode nine, other <laughs> top 10 lists we should cover. I think we did say we should do romantic. I think we also said we should do like partners, uh-huh. right? Yeah. Uh, we we mentioned a couple other things back then, but that was so long ago. I don't remember. Well. Um, but uh, yeah, we'll we'll do another top 10 list. How about this? In in this year, in 2023, mm-hmm. we'll do another top 10 list. I like that. I like that. We put that marker commitment out there. Yes. Yeah. All right. Hold us accountable, folks. Now, Bob, I did promise you did. that I would tell everybody the other reason that I picked the Love Boat team. Now, other than the fact that, hey, it's a catchy tune and it's romantic, and quite frankly, the age of our listeners probably wouldn't know the song but i just want to point something out to you bob if you take our top three boats sharon carter she debuted in 1966 bernie rosenthal debuted in 1980 rachel layton diamondback debuted in 1985 now if you take those three years and you add them up and divide by three. What is the average year, Bob? I have no idea, Rick. That would be I... 1977 when the Love Boat theme came out. <laughs> Rick needs help. <laughs> <laughs> Again, I see him uh, down in his basement with the string and thumbtacks on the wall. You know, it's uh, a beautiful mind. Yeah, that's what I. Wow, beautiful work. My uh it's it's uh it's a gift. What can I say? Next week he'll be plotting the uh path of the Artemis 2 rocket. <laughs> That's right. Actually, next week we're going to be going to uh we're doing another what if story, Bob. We've only done a few what ifs so far, but we're going to do what if volume 1 number 4. Ooh, we've gotten a lot of requests for that one. I, you know, like I, 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 I think probably every day at least two or three letters come in for me. Mm. Yeah, and and it is what if the invaders had stayed together after World War II? Yeah. Now, this is actually a really, really important story because Roy Thomas. Uh, did an amazing retcon here where he introduces the other Captain Americas. He introduces William Naslin. He introduces Jeff Mace as basically the new Captain Americas that replaced Steve Rogers. So it's a, it's a brilliant retcon. Lose your mind, doesn't it? Okay. Like the the level of creativity and originality in like just coming up with that. Oh, I can't wait to dive into this. Yeah. Yeah, it is it's a it's a key key story in the Captain America mythos and uh we're very excited to to cover this finally because I uh, I've been holding off on this 
for a very special reason. So make sure you come back next episode where we get into What If Volume 1, Number 4. I All right, wait Bob. for that one. As always, it's been fun wrapping cap with you. It has, Rick. I can't wait till next week. Can't wait. All right. He's Bob Lucius. I'm Rick Verbanis, and you have been listening to another episode of the Captain America Comic Book Fans Podcast. All right, you ready? I'm ready. Love. Exciting Exciting and new. Come aboard. We're We're expecting expecting you. And love. Um, Yeah. Life's Life's sweetest sweetest reward. Let it flow. flow. It floats back, back to, to you, you, the, the love bones. Soon we'll be making another run. The love, the love bones promises something for everyone. <laughs> okay. Well, I think we burned that song. Yeah, we burned that one.